he's wasted it all. His face is a photograph burned in my mind, but I pretend not to see him for the 21st time. Welcome to Voices from the Street, the radio ministry of the Sacramento Union Gospel Mission. Prepare your heart for laughter and tears as we share the unpolished stories of the homeless and hurting, hope and transformation. Here's your host, director of the Union Gospel Mission, Pastor Tim Lane. Thank you for joining us today. I've got a friend with me today. He is the, he likes to say he's the chief cook and bottle washer. He's the kitchen supervisor at the Union Gospel Mission. He's my good friend, and his name is also Tim. And so a lot of times people, I, well, at least once that I know of, a lady said, you know, oh, I, I hear you on the radio, and you do such a great job back in the kitchen. I said, yeah, well, thanks, but that's another Tim. So at any rate, uh, Tim, would you like to say hello to all the folks out there? Sure. Thank you for having me, and uh, thank you for having me back, Pastor. And I look forward to uh, the next few minutes. Good. I'm glad. Uh, I am certainly glad to have you here. You know, one of the things that we often think about is we see the homeless encampments and all those kind of things, and there's a certain amount of of fatigue, I think, that people feel when they see all the, the stuff going around and wonder what is actually being done to alleviate any of this stuff. Well, I can't say on anybody else's part, excepting for ours. First of all, yes, indeed, we do feed over 9,000 meals a month to the homeless. And this man sitting across from me is directly responsible for putting those together. And so is it uh, still about 9,000 or something like that? Roughly Tim? thereabouts, 9,000. A little over 100000 a year. Mm-hmm. And then we f- we hand out food and, uh, food boxes, and we have clothing, and we have overnight stays and showers and everything. And we have a mail drop so that they can receive mail and those type of things. But one of the crucial differences is that we want to invest uh, time in our men. We have 24 guys that come on our drug and alcohol. And well, it's not just drugs and alcohol. It's a recovery program. There's a lot of things to recover from. And we want to invest time in them. And, and so that they're not just a revolving door going back out to the street, living a life that's, that's, you know, moment from moment, but that they can actually have a future. Not everybody that graduates stays that way. And not everybody that comes on the program graduates. But it is worth the effort for every single individual that comes on the program, goes through the program, and then truly finds recovery and and lasting peace with God. And so, Tim, along with the food, and, and tell me, how hard is it to prepare that size of meals on a day-to-day basis? Well, it's a little difficult. Mainly it's planning, and you have to rotate the food. You have to make sure. We're held at a very high standard, just as a regular restaurant that you patronize. Uh, It's the same thing at the Mission. We have uh, people that come and check us regularly to make sure that we're doing what we need to do. I think the hardest thing is to work with men in our recovery program that really don't have a lot of work experience, if you will. Being on the street for a number of years, some of them we get from, you know, uh, in being incarcerated and things of that nature. So it's hard to actually interact to a point of getting that many meals prepared. But I think that's where God intervenes is I think he works through my, well, I know he works through me and 
the other kitchen staff that's been there a while and together all of us seem to work well together as a team and that's what it takes it takes a team you have to have a leader and you have to have people that's going to follow um the responsibility of ensuring that everybody gets fed no one gets sick or anything like that it's a, it, it's a lot of pressure when you're talking about 100,000 meals a year yeah no and i know it is i think one of the things that's also much different in the kitchen is you also have a certain amount of time that you don't schedule it out, but there's ministry opportunities that you have to not just teach the guys that work ethic that you were talking about. And by the way, any part of recovery also entails that they gain that work ethic so that they're not just floating around out there. They need to know how to hold down a job uh, and and like you said, many of them have zero work experience that they can put under their on their resumes. At the end of the time when they're leaving, we try to help them with their mes- resumes, try to get them hooked up with people. It's tough sometimes for an employer who looks and sees no work details at all. And so along with that, though, there's many opportunities since you anytime if you've ever worked side by side with anybody, you know that there's a lot of conversation that goes on that isn't related necessarily to the kitchen. Uh, The crosstalk and everything, we all do that, and there's nothing wrong with that. But a lot of that crosstalk for you is questions that fall in the range of ministry as well. Is that not correct, Tim? It is correct. And as you walked in uh, a few days ago, we were talking, I was talking with a gentleman, and he was asking me how I knew that... I accepted Christ, and he says a lot of people can just fake it. I said, the thing is, is I said, you got to have Christ in your heart. If your Christ is not in your heart, then you didn't accept Christ, hmm. you know, and, and it's a lot of questions like that. By going through the program myself and turning my, my life over to Christ or rededicating my life back to Christ in 2010, I'm a little further down the road than the new gentleman coming in. I don't want to get in a position of being a counselor or, like yourself, a pastor that has much, much more knowledge. All I can share is what's in the Bible, something that if I don't know nothing about it, I refer them. We have chaplains there. We have you, yourself. That So that's where I would direct those people. But the interaction on a day-to-day basis, a lot of the guys uh, are really down on their self, you know, um, it's one thing, I guess, when you can ask Christ to forgive you and put things at the foot of the cross. But sometimes, I can speak for myself, it was hard for me to forgive me. And I think the biggest hurdle it was is then I'm saying I'm more important than Christ than I'm not. So it was a humbling experience. And I think building and trying to build these guys' self-esteem and self-worth up is real important. As you said, they've been out there for sometimes years, 10, 12, 13 years on the streets. And it's just a blessing. And I, you and I have talked, I get just blessed being able to work with the guys and they'll tell you, I'm a little sterner than others because I'm a believer also like yourself that you need to have work ethics. If the whole equation is going to work, you have to be out there and retain a job. And you're going to meet me, a boss like me out there all the time, you know. So, But I'm just blessed to be in a position where I can share the little bit of knowledge I have received by going through the program and still with through my church 
uh, with the guys fresh off the streets, just giving them that glimmer of hope that Christ has given me. You know, to your point, uh, obviously we don't want to be too stern with, with the guys, but there are rules and regulations that have to be followed, and sometimes it needs to be done quickly. Otherwise, there's injury that can be, you know, you can get somebody to cut themselves. If they're doing something wrong, they could burn themselves. There's other things that can happen. I can tell you from past experience, when I was a very young man, I w- worked in a Class A restaurant here in Sacramento, and we had an executive chef. And if you think that uh, Tim can be strict, you have no idea what some of these executive chefs are like. They will have straight-up temper tantrums and it's just amazing. Sorry if you happen to be an executive chef. I didn't say all, <laughs> all of them. them. <laughs> I said some of them. But uh, anybody who's ever worked for any length of time, unless you've had the job you love since you started, has worked for somebody at some time that is tough. And uh, maybe not nasty or mean, but tough and on you. And these guys need to get the understanding that nobody's going to coddle them when they get out into the workaday, everyday world. And certainly, you're not going to always work someplace that is filled with believers. And when you do, it's going to be much more brutal than that. Um, There's a lot of things that people don't realize that go into preparing that many meals. And Tim has one other difficulty along. Well, there's several other. But one of the difficulties is, and Tim, maybe you can explain, in a, I'm just going to lay the foundation here. When I worked at a restaurant (laughs) forever ago, uh, I know they planned out their meals way in advance. They they ordered what they were going to get. The meat truck showed up. The the lettuce truck and all the different things. And they had their laundry list, just like you going to the supermarket and they would, they would time out and they would know exactly for that week, exactly what they wanted to have. You know, you had the, the everyday things that were the constant orders, the steaks and those type of things, but there's all the other things they needed to order. Here's the problem. Tim, explain what the difference is trying to work from donated food. And, and by the way, that's not a knock because we get some pretty good stuff, right? <laughs> we do. And just to reiterate on what I was saying earlier, when I said I'm stern, I'm stern, but I'm loving. Yes. No, <laughs> no, no. No, and, no. And no I, I just wanted to clear that because yeah. I painted myself that way and I just didn't want to leave no open end. Well, you can be stern at times, but we all can be. And sometimes that's what it takes when you're in a ministry like ours, sometimes there has to be a line drawn in the sand. You must do this and you must comply. We've got also other men on the program. For instance, we don't allow violence of any kind. Correct. You can't get in a fight out in the parking lot with one of the other programs that somebody or maybe both of you aren't going to be asked to leave the program. And so we take very seriously no bumping people, no no uh, vulgarity, not you know, getting in somebody's face, those things are important. And so when you're dealing with a lot of different people, sometimes you have to be stern. Absolutely. Not and mean, it's a safety, just stern. And a safety issue. It is a kitchen. safety issue. So back to the question, though, <laughs> how hard or how much different you've worked in restaurants, right? So what is the difference between a restaurant that places their orders and a, and a restaurant like ours, and by the way, it's maybe not a restaurant, but it, we certainly function that way. And by the way, again, I want to reiterate, the food that we get in on donations from some of these companies is amazing. And 
you one have to know what to do with it, right? But how do you plan? Well, the thing is, you really don't plan. That's the ironic part. Is you you kind of you may have planned something to feed our guests. Could be 120, 150 of our guests at night every night. You may have this plan, and then here comes somebody who wants to donate a large amount of something. You have to first determine: can you take it? Mm-hmm. Then you have to determine. Does it can it last a day? Can, do we have to make it today? Then you have to scratch what you had planned, mm-hmm. then go ahead and serve that. So you're trying to get as much usage as we can because as you and I talked before, I don't like to waste. Right. So we want to try to use everything we can. And I think that's the key. And like you said, we get agencies, not even just agencies, people out there that's listening to our radio station, it's the same thing. They could bring you know, stuff and donate things and have parties and things like that. It's what what can we do with it to feed our guests? Right. And and I think the important thing is is we're a mission and we work on donations and it's trying to keep our budget as low as we can to get the most utilization of the th- stuff that we do get donated. And I think that's the hardest thing, Pastor, if I was to be 100% honest, is because sometimes you would be looking in the refrigerator and we would be limited on things and you think okay well do i go to the store or not go to the store so i try to at least plan one or two days out but it's very very hard to do that because i know you and i talked before that you'd like a menu (laughs) for when we you know when we eat but more but but more of a suggestion uh because i am well aware that you know, there are more things on heaven and earth, Horatio, that Amen. are dreamt of in our meager philosophies, Amen. right? And so what Tim is alluding to is really true, and I've seen it time and time and time again. So Tim will, let's say he's got, uh, uh, he's going to cook hamburgers, or he's going to make stew, or he's got this or that planned, and he's got he's got beef or veal or pork or whatever the case is. And it can last for a few days. And all of a sudden, something comes in. It's not out of date because we don't do that. No, we can't. Uh, and, and by the way, if if you are thinking about cleaning the, the pantry out and you've got cans and stuff and they're expired, we can't take those. Uh, if, if they're not good enough for our families, they're not good enough for the folks out there either. And so, uh, and besides, we can't buy law. But... Having said that, sometimes something will come in, and as he alluded to, maybe it's only got a shelf life of another couple of days, and whereas what he had planned maybe has a shelf life of a week or four days. And so now he has to scrap all the plans he had, rethink things, and head out to do the new plan, correct? Correct. And so some of that stuff takes time to season and things too right? absolutely you want to marinate uh, like if, if it's a meat product you want to make sure you what i try to do is i try to get the food to taste as i would serve my family as i serve the guests i want them to enjoy the food that's being prepared out, out of the kitchen i've been to places and not knocking anybody or whatever but i understand the philosophy their mission what they get is what they serve I can appreciate that. And that's what we do too. But Right. But we have been blessed and we continue to be blessed uh, with our donors. They be corporate or just regular donors that come and faithful to us all the time. And it's it's we just want to make sure that when the guests come in, they may not have a home. They may not have utensils to cook. I want to make sure that when they leave, they can say, 
oh, that was a good meal, you know? And, and that's where God gives me the joy mm-hmm. is when you hear that one or two guests that may touch on the shoulder and say, hey, thanks, you know? Uh, that was my favorite. Meatloaf's my favorite. And it just warms your heart when you hear that. You won't hear it from everybody, but it doesn't need to come from everybody. It just needs to come to people who are sincere. Now, wait a minute. That was a crucial thing you said. Now, you said meatloaf. You're talking about with with ketchup glaze, right? Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> Don't want to miss that. You know what? It's an amazing thing. Uh, one of the things that I think is is also crucial for us to understand is that when people, when companies or whoever is willing to come and bring us something and donate to it, to us, they expect us to do the very best job we can and not just, okay, throw it on the grill and slop it on the plate. I'm not saying other people do that, but I know for a fact that you take a great deal of care in trying to prepare that food correctly, right? Absolutely. Like I said, it's rough to be out there and if it that's the that's the the least they can get is a well cooked meal, well rounded meal. I think they deserve it. I I don't prejudge people. I I don't judge people by who they are, what they say, how they dress. As long as they come into our mission respectful mm-hmm. and respecting our rules and regulations, I want them to have the best meal they possibly can have. That's why I train our guys in the program as cooks. I don't know everything. I'm not, a, you know, a big chef at some big restaurant. I cook with love because I care for our guests. Well, as you, uh, this, the uh, the listening audience may not be aware of this, but we also have a noonday meal and all the program guys come in, and I encourage all the staff to go in there as well and eat with our program guys. And so... Uh, I've eaten many of the meals that Tim has fixed, and and it doesn't vary from the men that are are there at noon, from our guests in the morning or our guests in the evening, with the kind of food they get. It the same kind of food they get is the same kind of stuff that is going to be served any time of the day when we're cooking. Correct. That is correct. And sometimes we get we'll get steaks that are just amazing and then sometimes they'll be a little tougher and when they're a little tougher you have to be a little more creative correct absolutely absolutely do a chicken do a a, a nala king or something you know right and especially in the winter months you want to our guests love hot and a lot sure people you say well you know you make the best beans i said because our guests love beans and rice (laughs) Most people don't realize that that is a favorite on the street. Absolutely, because it's filling and it's warm and it's hearty. And we put a lot of ham in it or meat, whatever we have, and to make it, you know, as filling as possible. You know, I'm originally from the South, so everything needs to have ham and Absolutely. bacon in it. Absolutely. <laughs> you don't have to be from the South, brother. Uh, well, you know. Um, but at any rate... When you have the opportunity, do you ever have the opportunity to interact with any of the, not program men, but the guests? Uh, when I was in the program, as you know, I was the evening cook, and I was the evening cook for six months, and I interact with the guests. And surprisingly enough, they know my position there. Mm-hmm. And if they see me, if they had a problem in the dining room or mm-hmm. something, they say, mm-hmm. hey, Mr. Tim, Mr. Tim, 
you know, I don't know if you know this, but, you know, they'll say, you know, the beans were maybe not as hot as they could have been or, you know, the oatmeal, you know, was a little thick this morning. So, yeah, they have no problem telling me, you know, if there's any issues. But, yeah, I have been blessed to know quite a few of our regular guests that's been coming there for years. I've been there going on nine years. You got it uh, just recently, a few months ago, you got an award. Uh, your kitchen got an award. The what what was that for? The kitchen got an award that uh, a lot of places don't get it, and I was actually kind of really overwhelmed uh, for, for safety and cleanliness of our kitchen. Um, and that's that's on you. Well, no, it's on us. Well, I know, but you are the man that's <laughs> leading that kitchen, and so if the if the head of the kitchen is going to be sloppy and haphazard, then the guys are going to be sloppy and haphazard. If if the cook and the leader of the kitchen is the guy that insists on f- being fastidious about things, then that's going to rub off on those men as well. And you're not going to get that reward from the city or, or state or whoever. It was, it was the health department. Health department. And it was, it was a blessing. And I wanted to post it out there for all our guests to see that we do everything we do. We want to do with the utmost respect for them. Yeah, I thought the framed picture of you with the neon light and the arrow was a little much. No, I'm I'm kidding. He didn't do any of that. <laughs> but I love him. I have to give him a hard time. So <laughs> what did it mean to you personally? I no longer do things for myself. Mm, amen. I do things for the glory of God. Amen. And the reputation that the mission has. I always want to be a part of somebody that's there to help. Mm-hmm. For years and years and years, I was unable to do that. It was all about me. And by going through the program and interacting with you and the chaplains and just learning, going to my you know, my home church and reading the Bible, and God has really found a place in my heart to where only a few people dwell, and it's mainly him. You Amen. know, and I just want to be of service today. You know, I, I'll i take shoes off my feet and give it to one of our guests if need be, you know, and because I feel God would do that to me, for me. So, mm-hmm. and I want our guests to know that, that there is hope. When you come to Union God's Mission, there's hope, and it's hope through Jesus Christ. There is very little in life that will take the place and give hope to people more than caring about them, sincerely caring about them. Um, when the guys on the program need to know that somebody is listening, you're there, are you not? I listen? try to be all the time. I sometimes get in trouble for it, but I, I do I do try to be there for them because sometimes, to be honest with you, Pastor, they just want to know you're listening. You don't have to say a word. It's just allowing them to get it off their chest. And you just, you know, you can shake your head with, you know, concern, compassion, and that sometimes that's enough. You know, we're down to one minute, Tim. Is there anything that you would like to say to the folks out there before we sign off the air? I'd just like to thank everybody who contributes to the mission, and I encourage you to come down. You would be absolutely surprised what this one acre does on a day-to-day basis. It would just Mm -hmm. blow your mind. God's little acre. Amen. So, Timothy, I am very grateful that you came on the show today, and I'm grateful to all the donors out there, as you are. Amen. I thank all of you every day 
and and I just want you to know that we really truly do care. And so, as always, my friends, as we come up to the end, of, I, I truly mean my grandfather's old saying when I tell you that may God hold you always in the palm of his hand. Nowhere to live, nowhere to fall He used to have money, but he's wasted it all His face is a photograph burned in my mind But I pretend not to see him for the 21st time You've been listening to Voices from the Street, the radio ministry of the Sacramento Union Gospel Mission. If your heart's been touched and you want to know more about the work of the mission, log on to ugmsac.com. To donate clothing, food, time, or financial help, call 916-447-3268. 916-447-3268. Thank you so much for listening. Join us again next week at the same time for Voices from the Street.